It is the technology show where we translate geek into regular speak. I'm Brett Levy. I'm your host this week. So interesting show this week. Got uh, the usual things with a Z, some tech news. Um, I have a guest who's actually going to be coming on as part of the Are You Game segment. Um, so lots of fun things. So I, well, let's just get straight into it, right? So let's bring up the slides for those of you that are actually watching and not listening. And uh Let's see. So this week in things with a Z, with the ever-increasing need for power and also speed, and I'm talking about charging, the GAN charger has become uh, more and more important. I've got a small little one that I carry around with me. Um, it really does rapidly charge my device. Um, we've spoken about speed and quick charging before in shows and obviously good quality products versus cheap products. Um, but then you have to decide which device to charge, right? So this is now where, again, multi-port charger comes into the call of today. So I got myself a Sateki 165-watt four-port PD GAN charger. That's quite a mouthful. Before we talk, talk about mouthfuls, and maybe people can jump on the chat. In fact, let me uh, bring up comments in case people do actually comment. Um, I don't know if this is Sateki, Sateki, Satek, I... Set etch. I'm, I'm actually not sure how to pronounce this. I'm going to go with set eki. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but it's S A T E C H I. So you can pronounce it however you want. Um, it reminds me of a, an advert when I was a lot younger. There was, I think it was when the Hyundai car came out. It was Hyundai, Hyundai, Hyundai. I have the same with this brand, but don't let the name take anything away from this product. So Sateki is one of the first consumer brands to actually design and produce Type-C products. Um, and now today they're a global leader. So um, what is it? Well, let's just start with what GAN and uh, PD is, because this is the 165-watt four-port PD GAN charger. <laughs> I love saying that. Um, so what is GAN and what is PD and are they the same or what do they do differently? So GAN is gallium nitride, which is a type of material that's used to make power electronics that generally increase the efficiency of the charge, the charger, and more specifically, the size and the weight. I mentioned at the start of the show that I carry a small, uh, I might have it floating around here somewhere. I don't know. I'm not going to stop me around trying to connect things. Every time I try and bring a product into a show, that wasn't supposed to be part of the show, things go wrong. So I'm not going to do it. So um, I have a small, it looks no bigger than your normal cell phone charge that goes in the wall. Arguably though, it is fatter. So it's more square um, and it is a rapid charger and it charges things super fast. Now PD stands for power delivery. Um, so that's the tech that allows for charging at higher wattages and also then allows for faster times. So although PD charger is fast, um, probably like four or five times faster than a traditional charger, it actually is still slower than GAN. Um, not that GAN or PD are slow, but it is. If we're going to be if we're going to be specific on the show, which we are, then that's what it is. Now, um, both these technologies um, have the ability to charge fast. Okay. Um, and it's guaranteed to give you the best possible charge for your device in the sense that this is a brand product. Now, I chose those words for a reason. It's important that you buy a charger that delivers optimal charge 
at the output that the device can actually handle. Um, equally, you don't want to be able to, well, so you don't, not you, but you don't want a charger that delivers power more quickly or more at more wattage than your device can handle. So this is why you go with something like the Sateki. Um, it is rated, and I'm actually going to talk about that a bit. So it's the 165 watt charger. That means that it delivers up to 100 watts on either of the four ports, or it will load balance itself. So let's say, for example, you have three devices, right? And they're all plugged in at the same time. It might then deliver 60, 60, and 45, which totals the 165. Or if you've got, um, so I'm, I'm just actually busy doing a review. I shouldn't be giving this away. Well, I am. I'm doing a review on a notebook. I'll just leave it at that. Um, it has a 90-watt charger that comes with its standard. I've actually plugged that into, into my Sateki. So that would deliver 90 watts. But then um, the offload on the other two devices might be 60 and 60 or 60 and 45. It, it will balance itself as it needs to. So and that's important because basically if you overcharge or if you charge your device at a speed or um, wattage that it can't handle, you will destroy the product. Um, there's actually so many cheap cheap options out there, right? If you just go into like AliExpress or Timu or any of these these websites, you can type in GAN charger and, and it will be a GAN charger. So it's not that you're going to get a fake product. Well, you might get a fake product, but it probably will be a GAN charger. It will have the GAN technology inside it, uh, gallium nitride, and, um, the, but it might not have the right surge controls. And that's what a premium product brings to the table you know i'm sitting here now and i'm thinking to myself well i've got all these expensive products that are linked up to um to the charger now if you're watching the show i'm about to change the screen in fact i'm gonna go back so there it is the way i have it on my desk with its little stand or you can lie it down if you're watching the show so it just lies down it's like it looks like a brick um but in the box it comes like an understand just it just balances it's just one of those design products and and Sateki does do a lot of design and product supply for Mac. Um, in fact, I can actually bring up a website. But it's for MacGear.com, I think. Um, where is it? So there it is. I'll scroll that on the bottom. So you can go to MacGear.com.au. Or, of course, you can just go to Sateki.net, I think it is, if you want to find out more information about the products. But in typical Apple, Apple-influenced design, that's what you would expect. Nice, clean lines. It just balances on its little standing dock. Um Anyway, what I was getting to is that I now have my MacBook, which requires 65 watts. Um, I have my phone. I actually don't know what the wattage requirement is of the iPhone. But I also sometimes charge my Google Pixel as well. Um, both of them are – well, the iPhone is now – it's got a USB-C into the Sateki, and it's got its lightning port for now, iPhone 50, maybe not. Um, the Pixel uses a direct USB-C. I have a headset, so either one of my big over-the-ear headsets or the buds, whatever I'm choosing to use. Um, and my watch charging cable is also now linked up to this. Now, just another caution. Some devices in the product manuals tell you not to use fast charging. Um, there'll be reasons why they don't want you to use fast charging. I don't necessarily know what those reasons are all the time. However, that being said, if a product warning tells you not to, Please don't do it, even though the unit will be designed to load off and balance its load of wattage, um, it's still going to use a rapid or um, 
fast charging protocol to try and charge your device as quickly as possible. So if you advise not to do it, don't do it. There's a reason the warnings are. The nice thing though as well about having the port is that basically now I've got one wire going into the wall, so I don't need to use a power board. I've got the Sateki sitting on my desk and I've got four cables that come out. And if you do practice good cable management, which I don't, uh, I'd be lying if I said that I do. I don't. Um, so I just got cables. But I now have these four cables all going into one point. And the nice thing about that is if I need to actually go anywhere, I can just unplug out of the port, take that with me. I've got a normal little GAN charge, as I said, in my bag, and that will then become the charger wherever I go. So, um, yeah, if you're looking to clean up your desk, if you are looking to um, charge fast, again, please charge fast only if the device is, is designed to. And believe me, it does charge a lot faster. I can charge my iPhone up from basically zero to 50% in about 25 minutes, um, which is pretty impressive. Uh, no, it doesn't go from 50% to 100 in another 25 minutes. It, it does. I don't know what it is with battery technology, but it's like the first 20% is really hard, like hard work to charge. And the last 20% seems to be hard work to charge. The middle 40, 60% seems to be okay to charge. Um, but probably just over an hour, like an hour 20, and the, the, the phone is charged from zero to full. I don't advocate that you ever let a phone go to zero. Um, I don't think it's good for the battery. The days are gone when we need to discharge batteries like the nickel cadmium ones. Um, so, you know, try and keep your battery at 25, 30% at any given moment in time. You generally won't overcharge them. The devices have things that stop charge coming into them and puts them into trickle charge mode, especially the new devices. Um, and as I said, because it's harder work, it requires more energy, which means more electricity to get that last 20% charge. So by keeping your phone or your computer or whatever it is charged, I mean, even now I'm sitting at, at home, must Big screen, you'll see when I, someone actually sent me a comment the other day, Brett, why are you always looking out to the right? Is there a window or view or something like that? No, there's actually a window that way. Uh, but I have a really big screen here. My show control panel is up here. So there we go. Nothing really other than that. Um, so, yeah, basically, um, also, oh, sorry, and the last thing, right, um, please use good cables. So it's, it's one thing to have a good charger or charging block, or in this case, the port, but you need good cables as well. Um, you know, again, we, we always going to be tempted to save some money and buy some discount cables. And, you know, that way you feel better when they break. Generally, more expensive cables don't break as quickly, number one. Um, and number two, they actually carry the load balance a lot better. Um, so it delivers better charge to your device. Just saying. Right, so that brings me to the end of um, things up with a Z. Right, let's move on to tech news. So what have we got on tech news? Okay, so this, uh, it's, it's amazing. I land up talking about cybersecurity and hacks and all these things so frequently. So I've just put a picture up of a, of a keyboard with some, some fingers typing on it. For those that are, are listening to the show on one of the podcasts, um, so the, this segment is, I'm just going to read the heading. AI can steal passwords by listening to your keyboard. Yep. That's the heading. So, um, I read this on one of my news sources that it's known as ASCA or acoustic side channel attack. 
And basically it involves the recording, it involves recording the sound um, of a keyboard using a nearby smartphone or even over a remote conference call. So what the actual F? So let's just unpack that a little bit, right? You could be sitting in a cafe You've got your privacy screen on, you've got your back to the wall so no one's watching your screen, whatever it is you're doing to protect yourself. But someone could be sitting next to you at the coffee table next to you or just in front of you and probably even in front of you, right, because you wouldn't see that they've pushed their cell phone as close to the end of the table aimed at your laptop if that's what you're using. And the device is listening to the way your keys click. Now, I've when I read this article and I prepped for the show, I sat there clicking my my keyboard just to see if it makes different sounds you know on a phone especially in the old days when you had push button phones when you push the buttons they made different sounds it was like dee, 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 dee. so you knew that there was like one two three four five six seven or whatever it was right and you could actually work that out by listening to it i've listened to my keyboard quite a few times in prepping for the show i cannot hear the difference between a k or a w or an l or well any key for that matter Apparently, though, there is a difference, and that's how this acoustic side channel attack works. So oh, I'm not even sure what to say anymore. Um, like, you know, don't use a public USB because it could be a hack. Don't use public charging because it could be a hack. Don't leave a screen unprotected because someone could be screen watching you. Um, don't use public Wi-Fi. Well, that one's a no-brainer. It's been around for quite a while. Don't leave your webcam on. Don't connect to pages by clicking an SMS. And now don't click on your keyboard. So I'm not really sure what to advise on that one. Um, I don't have a plan B if you don't click on your keyboard. Cl clearly, you can't talk to it, right? When it comes to password, you don't want to be sitting there talking your password or speaking your password. So, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Right, next. So this is an interesting one as well. India has now banned – okay, so India tried to – well, not tried, they're going to, but they tried to ban – the import of laptops and tablets and certain phones with immediate effect. I think this was in the news Friday last week or Monday this week. I'm not 100% sure, but this is like the last couple of days. There was just pushback and rights and, and people going crazy. And so they've now changed it to um, the 1st of November. This is still crazy, right? Now, the government's basically decided that to protect local industry, they're going under the disguise of security. We don't want to buy stuff from China. Sounds like a rhetoric from the rest of the world at the moment. Um, but what it actually is, is they are trying to make sure that they build tech locally. Now, India does build tech. There's a lot of tech that comes out of India. We might not know about it. We might not have seen it. I've played with a lot of cell phones, Android devices that come out of India. Um, I've seen a couple of tablets that come out of India. I actually haven't seen a laptop or computer that's come out of India, but I'm pretty sure there is. Um, but they make cars, they make telephonics, uh, they make telecommunication network devices. So by no means are they slouches when it comes to making IT. And given that it's the world's second biggest population and arguably could be the world's biggest population in the not too distant future because China's actually got negative growth rate and I don't believe India does. Um, it does kind of make sense that the government wants to protect um, the industry, right? So like, to me, that's what makes sense. Anyway, so um, <laughs> I wonder what this is going to do to export markets. I mean, if you take a – I don't know what the big brands are, right? But, I mean, Apple must be there and Samsung must be there and Huawei is probably or Oppo or any of the big brands 
I'm talking about obviously on phones, computers, Lenovo, um, uh, I don't know, any of the big brands. I'm just acknowledging that my guest is actually in the green green room. So just so you know, give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. I just want to make sure I'll bring it. Yeah, there we go. So he'll, he'll be coming into the show soon. I didn't talk about having a guest today. Oh, maybe I did, but I'm going to save that before we get to that segment. So if India is going to ban the import of all technology, this is going to be incredibly interesting for the stock market. Um, I don't know what the percentage is of sales of technology that goes into that region, but if they stop buying, um, maybe it's time to watch the stock prices and what you're holding on. And more importantly, then obviously start investigating which companies are going to be making or do make. I know Tata is one of them, uh, but this is definitely something I'm going to be following quite closely and I will be reporting on as we um, as we progress. Right, moving on. So this one was, this is a very, very interesting story. So the world's next Holocaust museum is going to be called The Voices of the Forgotten and it's actually going to be found inside Fort Knott. Um, so it's a virtual building, um, and it's called the Voices of the Forgotten Museum, and it lets players walk in the halls, that, and they can actually read plaques describing the genocide um, that happened in Nazi Germany in, in World War II. They can see photos of like resistance fighters, um, heroic individuals who sheltered people, um, and, and so on and so on. Now, there's been all kinds of responses to the story. Some were concerned, like things like, People are going to go in, in and do emotes. So if you don't know how the Fortnite game works, you can do these dances called emotes. If you've ever walked down the shopping center and you see a 12-year-old and he walks past another 12-year-old and they do this funny little Javi thing that's called emote, um, and they're kind of talking to each other in emote language. Um, there'll also be people that are probably, you know, you've got extreme right-wing people that might have something to say about the whole, whole Holocaust and the Jewish population. Um, they might want to go in and, and, and have their says and have been quite vocal online as well about this. But I think it's pretty good because for the next generation, um, that isn't really across what the atrocities of World War II, but they are playing video games. This is just another way they can find out about these things. And museums are physical places. So there's not many memorial museums specifically to the Holocaust around the world. Um, this now gives a very big population an opportunity of actually finding out more there aren't going to be any graphic scenes in there. There's not going to be scenes of dead people and torture and anything like that. This is about remembering the event for what it is and what it was, um, not about going to see you know, graphic details. Um, so it's going to be coming out in, in a few weeks' time. Um, and it was interesting because I've actually been researching Fortnite for a very different reason, which is pretty much my last story before we move into our game. So I'm super excited now. And in fact, this is the first announcements I've made of this. I haven't actually even jumped onto LinkedIn. Well, I'm on LinkedIn now, but I haven't actually done a post about this yet. But I'm really super excited to announce that I've actually signed up Lucas Melissa, known as Anon. Um, he's the 16-year-old that won the gold trophy last month at the inaugural uh, Esports Olympic Games in Singapore. So I've put a player management partnership agreement together with him. It is a global agreement. Um, so anyone looking to do cool stuff in Fortnite, hence the reason I had the Fortnite story, because I've been researching Fortnite, um, please reach out. We'll be speaking about it soon. I will be posting more stuff about Lucas. In fact, I think this weekend is the third of the qualifiers. Um, he's already through. He won back-to-back -back rounds one and two. So he goes off to Copenhagen in October to play in the Worlds for some serious prize money. 
And that takes me to the end of Tech News with a Z and brings me to Are You Game? Now, I mentioned and I've acknowledged that I have a guest waiting in uh, the lobby. I'm going to bring him in now. But I'm super excited about this week's uh, Are You Game? So I think let me just quickly bring Pat in. Um, in fact, what I'm going to first do is just do that. Now I'm going to bring Pat in. So uh, let's go. Pat, are you there? Hello. How there are you, go. Brett? Good, good. Pat, how do I pronounce your surname? Is it Naom? Yeah, it's a tricky one. Naum. Nay like a horse and um like boom is the way I like oh, to do it. Okay, Naum. So if, if you'd seen the beginning part of the show, I've, it's been a pronunciation change for me because I've reviewed a product <laughs> made by Sateki today, I think it is, or Sateki. Yeah. I still haven't worked <laughs> yeah. out what it is. Great to have you on the show, mate. Um, I mentioned I've set this whole thing up that I'm – Super excited. So normally I do a guest segment at the end of the show. So we do the Are You Game. I talk about a game that I've played. But I feel quite privileged. One, you're here in Australia for now. Um, And um, you've built this game as an indie game developer. I'm actually going to put us back into small mode. And let's Mm -hmm. focus on this. I'm going to call it a masterpiece. I've actually called today's show a masterpiece for this reason. So for anyone listening to the show, and, and Pat, just for your reference, I have people that listen to the show on podcasts. They don't necessarily watch. So I have Definitely to always keep sure. describing visuals. But I'm going to summarize um, the game, which is called The Master's Pupil. And the summary that is, I, I found on um, the Steam page is basically this is being played through the eye of Claude Monet, as in the famous artist. Did I encapsulate that correctly? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, it's a 2D hand-painted puzzle game set inside Claude Monet's eye. So There we go. Uh, up another know, screen. <laughs> people can see, um, you know, for people that can see what's happening, there's these kind of like, uh, you know, green uh, vines that the player can run along and run on. Um, but they're kind of supposed to be like literally inside Claude's, you know, Claude Monet's eye. And these are kind of, you know, it's on his iris. So this whole thing kind of plays out on the colored section of your eyeball. So I'm going to just quickly jump in there from my experience point of view. So first of all, anyone that knows me personally knows I'm a heathen when it comes to art. I'm married to a graphic designer who studied fine art as well. Um, Her father is actually quite a good artist himself, and they're sculptures and they're architects. So I live with people that are in the the art and art world, Uh, but I kind of stop at Dali. So if you're ever doing another (laughs) game, I'm looking to see Dali because, man, that could be fun. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm just going to describe the game a bit, a little bit of the gameplay for people again, specifically that on watching. And I do hope that if you are listening to the show, just please, in fact, I'm actually, well, I'm just going to put the website up. I'm going to put your details up anyway. But but if you go to themasterspupil.com, so master with an S, pupil.com, and then you can find out, but just hit Steam and put it in there. This is a super fun, super exciting little game. It is beautiful. And I'm not saying that because you're on the show. Um, my son's gaming room is, I'm pointing this way, he's just this way. My bedroom's that way when, I, you know, when I'm sitting upstairs here working. And all they heard me going was, oh, this is beautiful. Man, this is beautiful. And I was sitting playing here on the left. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. Um, it's, so f- just to describe the gameplay, and th- in fact, I think I've got some screenshots up here as well. I do. So basically, you're this little character. Um, and you, it's a side scroll, it's a platformer. So for those that don't understand the, the, the genre, you're playing from left to right and you're progressing. So you're going through a journey. That's what side platformer games are. Um, you're not playing into the screen, you're playing left to right. 
and there's no instructions. You literally figure it out. So you get onto the screen. I've put the screen up for a reason, Pat, because I had a little bit of fun with this part of the game. And I'm yeah. not giving you away to the people that played, but I'd like to say thank you, but no thank you for that, because I spent quite a few minutes <laughs> doing this part right. But basically, <laughs> you've got to figure out the game. Like, there's no instructions. It doesn't say do this and click that. It's literally up, down, left, right, or up is jump. So it's jump, left, right. That's pretty much the controls. You don't exactly. need explanation. Right. But it's figuring it out how to progress. And sometimes progress actually means to go backwards. Now, I featured Limbo about a month ago, a month and a half ago, which is the same genre of game. So, I mean, you can kind of see why I was excited and why I reached out to you about wanting to play this game and review the game. I like the side platformer. Um, it's easy to pick up. Um, there was auto saves on the game as well. So when, you know, when the phone rang or actually decided to do some work, um, I could save my progress to where I was, which is important. I've played a couple of games that don't do that. And that's the most frustrating thing in the world. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, just talk me through it. Like, is art your thing? Like, what was the inspiration behind this? I mean, just also just bring us back up into full mode for now. Um, yeah, look, it's it was a very long process. You know, it was seven years of kind of of, of painting wow. and, and kind of designing and like crafting it because I came from scratch. You know, I came from, um, you know, I didn't come from uh, a game design background. I came from, uh, you know, graphic art. Uh, I was coming from a, a Bachelor of Creative Arts and I went through film school and then I got into graphic design as like a, my job. And I still wanted to essentially make art. I wanted to kind of find a way to craft something you know uh and so i came up with this idea after seeing these kind of macro photography images of uh, of an iris of a human iris and so right. it just looked like this giant landscape to me and i was kind of fascinated at the idea of a game set on that landscape this kind of giant like valley um and then maybe it could go over the cross someone's life you know starting on the side uh, on the on the very edge of the white bit, you know, and then going towards the pupil as the kind of towards death, you know, uh, and then who who this person could be. Maybe it's a fictional person that I would write their story. Um, but then I remembered Claude Monet had these cataracts later in life, and he had a kind of um, surgery that that you know some of the first in like uh, high profile surgery of anyone to get cataract surgery, and so. I had this idea of like that could be the the big bad of the kind of game, you know, this build up, and then you kind of climb up into this like cataract style castle, um, and then it kind of all started to click together. He had a quite an interesting life as well. So the more I researched him, the more I could kind of identify these different levels where I could kind of use his artwork as well. And then it kind of gave me the excuse to use my painting degree and actually, uh, you know, paint this game and have it kind of stand out in a very kind of, you know, uh, yeah. saturated indie market. So it was it kind of all came together in layers, really. It, that's amazing. And and mom, dad, you see, money wasn't wasted. <laughs> it was off degree. See, creative arts will get you somewhere. There's a couple of things that I wanted to clarify on this. So, so. I, I did read up about the fact, and I'm glad that you you said it because I mean, otherwise I would have brought it. The fact that you've actually hand painted, and, and that's obviously also what's contributed to this long term to get you to where you are, right? Mm. So painstakingly hand painting everything that went into it. Um, <clears throat> now in the game, in fact, I might have some of the elements up. So for example, the screen. I'm just going to push us back into full screen mode. 
that painting then, and please excuse my ignorance, as I said at the beginning of the, of the, of the chat, I know nothing about art. I mean, I can identify some of Salvador Dali's pictures, but more than that, I could be sitting in an art, in an art gallery looking at something and go, oh my gosh, that's terrible. And someone might tap me on the shoulder and go, mate, do you actually know that's blah? Yeah. Is that a real Monet that we're looking at there? So is that an yeah. image of a... Okay, so that yeah, is so that's his actual Monet. artwork. And, oh, you know, right. as you would have experienced running through it, the, the, it, the it background levels... Yeah, yeah, so that this parallax effect of, of layers moving, you know, uh, separately from each other as you're running through, um, that kind of, uh, I've layered the, the artwork into these separate layers that kind of feature back. So right. I try, I made sure that all the artwork that you see in the in the end frame when it all lines up and looks really nice, that is entirely his artwork. Some kind of little bits around the edges just to fix it up and make it not like dead straight. Um, but then I also that used his, you know, cloned a lot of his artworks with Photoshop and tried to make, uh, so when they split apart, there's a little bit of like overlap and things kind of look a little nicer. Um, yeah. But I really wanted to make sure that that final shot was essentially exactly his artwork and, you know, with a little bit extra on the on the outside, but, you know, his original artwork. Uh, so but, you know, it took a long time to kind of individually cut out brush strokes in these kind of like, like whole layers. So, you know, in this one particularly, there's, uh, you know, the, the, the river and that foreground kind of lump where that little fisherman is on. That's one yeah. la layer, for example, and then the next layer and the next layer kind of moves backwards until you... you know, what you're describing, is, I mean, that was the part that was so nice is that as you're approaching like almost an end zone, you start to see these layers all coming together. Um, it's like that art when you stand at a distance and it looks like something and then it all comes together when you're straight in front of it, which at that moment in time, the little character... Um, yeah, and I actually character. actually came up with it by accident um, because I was hoping to get this effect where something crossed in front of the camera and on that moment, you know, the background would change on either side of this kind of moment where you would suddenly cross into the painting. And although I liked, I could, I set up this kind of effect and it was kind of working, but you never actually got Monet's final artwork because everything was moving. And then yeah. I, I thought, well, I'll pull it back and have this moment where you can see it in still. And that effect was so much better. And I didn't have to kind of create extra, like, you know, this big elaborate thing of just crossing into the world. I wanted to kind of hit that point where here's his artwork. And so you get this moment of, like, clarity. And there's other, yeah. there's other like, um, of his artworks later in the game where you're kind of... Uh, yeah you know, you go fully into one of his artworks for a little while and then there's the kind of the reveal. So there was a little bit of that, but I've know, got I basically, to I yeah, yeah. And that. so, yeah. Um, and that was really fun to do because once I found these like really, really high res images of his works, I could kind of start fiddling a bit more. But like that one specifically was, you know, very early on in his career, one of the last ones, you know, one of the first ones that survived basically. Um, yeah. And so, you know, there's this kind of like trickle of, of artworks as you go and then they become much more frequent. Um, but yeah, it was basically an accident because I kind of thought, well, I'll pull the camera up. And then when I saw these things line up like that, I was kind of like, my jaw that's dropped cool. a little bit and I was like, oh, yeah. that that's would be cool. cool. Like, let's yeah. do that. And let's, that, let's follow that kind of process. So that was exactly, that was exactly my response. It was like, oh, that's so cool. That's all that was coming out. I was, I was sitting there playing. And that is also why I play platformers. And I encourage people that are new to gaming to take on a platformer because it's, I don't want to use the word easy. It's not easy. I mean, I said... I, and It's easier, yeah, for sure. It's it's easier, correct. You don't have to worry about yeah. the controls as much, like, you know, using WSAD and a mouse and, you know, and you yeah. can play. 
And also, thankfully, this game works on a Mac as well because I'm a Mac user. <laughs> yeah, so I yeah. do have a gaming PC for PC games. Um, and also I try and do that because in that way, in my mind, it's like, that's fun, this is work, but they kind of cross over. Yeah, but it is yeah. a on Mac, and I mean, Mac's just beautiful, and you want to play beautiful things on beautiful and machines. Look, you know, so, I, I started very early on from trying to make this game uh, easy to play because I think there's yeah. a lot of side, even, even side-scrolling games or platformers that are platformy is the term, yeah. but it's really about making them difficult to play, you know, maybe it's a platform that's really small or like over a, you know, a pit of lava and you're kind of jumping uh, and you have to be technically very talented to complete the game. So yeah. from early on, I wanted to make sure this game was easy to play for anyone. So a kid could pick it up. Someone that hasn't played games could pick it up or someone who hasn't played games for a long time. You know, I just recently played, did a, a live a stream of the play um, with my mum. So the two of us sat down and we, and we played through and she hasn't played games in like, 30 years or longer and so we were playing this game and she had some struggle getting her head around running with a joystick because i didn't yeah. realize that might have been an issue but because she kept trying to push it upwards and like or like her hand would spin around and she'd get confused about left or right but basically you know it's like you said earlier it's left right and jump that's all you have to do and so yeah. everything else is taught to you very very slowly and there's no kind of language uh telling you what to do or expecting you to know certain ideas or concepts. It just teaches you the very basics from the very beginning. Well, the one the one question I got from my wife was, is it available on iPad? Because her dad, he's 83, would love to play something like this because of his art appreciation. So yeah, the question, yeah. do you have a mobile version in the making? I mean, are you looking at porting down into iOS or Android? I'm looking into it. I'm looking into it. It's, I think the hardest thing is because all of these are such high resolution textures, getting yeah. to run nice on a, on a phone or on an iPad is, is, a, is a difficult you know, lit hurdle, but then also the size of the game as well, because it, once yeah. it downloads, it's about, I think, eight or nine gigs. Nine so gigs. Yeah. it's a big ask for someone on their phone. But, you know, like phones are, and, and iPads especially are getting pretty... I was going to say, look, know, when it comes you... to tech... Yeah, the new iPad, um, I'm talking about like the pros, they would definitely yeah. handle it. I actually reviewed the new Google Pixel tab a couple of oh, yeah. months ago as well. Good. I think that would handle it as well, um, you know, nice. from a, from an Android. And you're right, they would, you would have to put limitations, only available on iOS 16 with a machine running X, Y, and Z. Uh, but, but the fact that someone actually saw the game for what the game was about and immediately put an audience person to it. That's awesome. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It just brings gaming through a genre that an older population would appreciate maybe more so than a younger population. I mean, my son's a gamer, but he just yeah. wants to shoot shit. He wants to take a game <laughs> yeah. and kill things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably yeah. wouldn't appreciate a platformer, you know? Um, yeah, and, 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 and there's and, also... And yeah, there's also a group of people that are quite uh, even younger, you know, so like eight, nine-year-olds, that kind of era, or like a, a family, you know, I've had families come out and contact me and say, oh, look, you know, we've been playing it as a as a group, as a family, because it's not a multiplayer yeah. game, but because it's not technically hard to play, someone can be playing it and a group of people can be kind of um, uh, following along and, and, and giving suggestions and that kind of thing. So I've had like yeah. groups of people, a family kind of playing it together, just being quite hard I've just had a question come through asking, does the character have a name? Does the character have a so for those that are watching the, the 
Michelle, let me just bring that back up. There's a little, you play as this little white dude. In fact, that might not be the best. Uh, there he is there. So if you're watching the show, you can see there's the little little guy just next to Pat's in, insert. Does he have a name, Pat? Um, well, I always, I can't, I can't point. Yeah, I'll see what it's you're trying to do. <laughs> um, uh, I've always, you know, like, because again, the game has no language. And so there's been, there's been this kind of question occasionally. And I've always considered a her called Iris. But okay. I, it's kind of interesting because originally the game was going to be called Iris. Um, and then yeah. well, about four or okay. five different other games had that title. And so, you know, this character was going to be called Iris. The game was called Iris. Um, but then without actually saying, like, I've never kind of said it, you know, I've, I've occasionally asked the question because people just do. They want to kind of name her or, or name yeah. they or it or whatever it is. Because yeah, yeah. It's, it's a strange, that. you know, it's a strange little character because it's it's quite expressive. Um with being just a little she is. I must say, like when you see her pushing, I, I think it's on this screen here. Yeah, you see a little pushing tiny balls, pushing arms. You, know, and then she you does can actually see the like strain, but there's no there's no definition to her or anything. But you when you're playing it, so for, for people listening, that she's got to push these balls in a certain way in order to do what you need to do to progress. Um, and again, thanks, Pat. I spent about 15 minutes in this little <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, and, uh, yeah, so, it was okay. the first rage quit that one of my friends did was on this level. He doesn't really <laughs> play games. And he yeah, was, he I was, I was like, this is a bit, cause up until this point it was, it was clear sailing and I was like, okay, there's a bit of logic here. Cause I've, yeah, I've done yeah. more changing now and all this type of thing. I'm like, okay, I got it, but I just couldn't get it. It was, it was, yeah, I was getting it a little bit, but I am past there and I've, I've got, <laughs> oh, I don't want to show any more screens either. I didn't, you know. If you want to play the game, play the game. I'm not one of those people to give away screenshots and, and walkthroughs and all those type of things. It's not what it's about. Um, yeah, it's yeah, an interesting I mean, bit really... because, you know, as, as I was saying before, the, the, the style of this game was trying not to be platformer, you know, not trying to be a skill-based platformer. But there are this section and there's like, you know, earlier on, depending on your skill levels, you might have some trouble jumping up on top of the balls and, and yep. manipulating them. But uh, basically it's... It, these were also little tutorial sections of how these kind of physical objects move. And this ball pit was supposed to be a little bit of that, you know, a little bit reminiscent of actual ball pits, but then also just trying to get your head around like multiple balls and how they roll. And, you know, so it is, it's a bit of a challenge and it's a bit of a physical challenge, but, you know, I think the first level only has those physical challenges. Then afterwards you, it, it gets a lot easier. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully at least. So, I've actually had a question come through. So I always do a Q&A at the end of the show. And I'm looking sure. at the time. We are getting to the end of the show. But I'm actually going to put – I'm going to use this question that's just come through now because I think it's actually quite relevant as well. And I'm, and I'm hoping you can answer it. Um, the question that's come through is, hey, Pat, how hard is it to get into game design? It took him seven years. Uh, and publishing, and is it expensive? So there's about three questions, Pat. But I think yeah. – um, let, me, let me bring us back up into – into talking mode. Uh, they, that's a great question. So thanks for the it, question. It but, really yeah. is. Um, look, it's it's a fascinating question because I, I get it a lot and I get it in different forms about like how I how I made this game, like what, what can I do to make games, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it, it's worth noting like, yes, this game was seven years in the making from when I started to, you know, now. Uh, yeah. But I started, 
I, the idea came 10 years ago. I came up with this idea and it kind of took me a while to get my head around what indie game development looked like essentially. And then it was when I started working on it, it was about three years of like weekends and evenings, not all of them, obviously, but most of them and learning how to code, learning how to game design, learning how to use unity with tutorials and like copying and pasting code from online, you know, just trying everything I could to, to, uh, get practical with the tools and 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 pull them together in a way that I felt comfortable with and I was kind of understanding. Um, and then it was another three years of part time because after the first three years, I came up with this um, vertical slice, which is like a small demo kind of thing. So it's just one level basically, that first level. And I quite liked it. My friends and family quite liked it. And there was this kind of sense of like, well, I really want to finish this, so I better put more of my time into it. Now, luckily, I've been a freelance graphic designer for, you know, longer than 10 years now, 10 or 15 years. And so for me, it, it was just a matter of like reducing my, uh, you know, uh, my hours, my work hours to like part yeah. time. So originally it started at like, you know, four or five, I would stop work and then do an hour of work. And then that came to be three and then two. And then eventually like around lunchtime, I would go, I'm done. I'm done with the work. I'm going to do the game, you know. Um, and so, although it didn't cost me anything, um, that time, it, it, although it didn't cost my money, like I wasn't yeah, paying anything. I got it, you. It was costing my time, you know. So yeah, I kind which of which is a cost, it. right? You could have been yeah, earning X dollars an exactly. hour. Yeah, it's kind of double yeah. what I was earning, but I, I chose to kind of make that you know financial decision more more than anything. Um, and then luckily, I got you know, the Screen Australia grant. So there's this, you know, the funding that the federal funding that Screen Australia has set up. Um, and, you know, for us Australians, we kind of know that it's like, you see that yep. on a lot of Australian TV and a lot of Australian movies and a lot of like yep. international movies as well. And so getting the thumbs up from them was just like life changing, but they, it's also a very large grant. So, you know, I was able to pay myself then full time. I was able to pay my composer, um, I was able to hire a porting company to get it to Nintendo Switch. And so that and, and you know, was the cycle growing. But it was, it was, it was like six years of work before that point. And so, yeah. you know, if you want to get into Unity, uh, there's fantastic tutorials online. Uh, if you want to get into game dev, learn how to enjoy the process because it, it's a long one. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it takes a long time. And so you should uh, go in with a the idea of wanting to make something and make something fun and have fun making it rather than I want to make this game and I want to play this game because yep. there's a long time until you get there, basically. It's good advice. It's sound advice. I mean, I've been involved in the industry for a long time, you know, yeah. and you mentioned the grant. That was actually how I came across um, mm -hmm. the master's pupil. Like that's where I found it. I, I saw oh, right. Well, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Thank you. I do Thank quite you. a bit of work. Um, and follow the IGEA as well. So they're always posting and announcing as well. I think to the listener or viewer that, that asked that question, follow the IGEA because they post this type of information. There's always free tutorials. There's a lot of really, you know, we're lucky to be in Australia. The government actually understands and appreciates the value of what mm -hmm. gaming and game design is worth from a commercial point of view. So they are prepared to put money behind it. I'm not suggesting they're just going to write you a check and go, you know, go for it. If it if it was that easy, I'd start designing some of the games that I've been thinking about. And look, the but, process um, the process as well of getting the grant was, you know, that was 85 hours or something of work. Like I kind of yeah. clocked it all to try to work it out. It was a marketing plan, a budget plan, a development plan. Uh, I had to, you know, do this 
five minute pitch video to camera and pitch my thing. I had to have a demo that I could send them. Um, so it wasn't just, Hey, I've got this cool idea. Can you give me some yeah, money for it? It amazing. was like, I've <laughs> almost finished this game and I would like to be able yeah. to sell this properly and, and try and get it to a stage that is like much more professional than it is now. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's not just, yeah, put your hand up and they throw money at you. You have to yeah. kind of work for it, but you know, I had already worked quite a lot for the game itself. So the grant seemed like a good concept and a good idea to go for. Well, hopefully that answers the question. I mean, for me, it, it doesn't make sense. Um, I am conscious of time, but I wanted to, you know, what's next? I know that there's some plans that are happening. We can talk about them or not, but um, has the bug bitten? Like, are you now going into game development? You're going to create the studio and, and, and you know, we, we're going to see more stuff coming out of uh yeah yeah definitely look i you know part of what the masters people was about was trying to and part of what my pitch was to screen australia actually now that now that we're on that um was to try and use this kind of little game to get funding to prototype up a next game and kind of get that to a state of publishing um and you're right it's the the bug has bitten it was it was very much kind of like i i fell in love with the process of game development so i'm you know and that was years ago now so i've got this idea that i want to get into and, and start um and it's just a matter of kind of getting the master's pupil entirely polished and you know doing as much marketing as i can uh and getting that to you know we're talking about getting it to playstation and xbox as well and like you know and then we're going to look into um uh, ipads and kind of high-end mobile devices so there's that whole process, but I'm just itching to get on back into Unity and get back into like crafting another game because, um, you know, I I really like that process of like learning and constructing and making that kind of artwork day to day because it's just fascinating. It's a fascinating yeah. kind of place to to work in. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to follow the journey. So please uh, keep keep in contact. And uh, when you're looking Thank for you. beta testers or whatever the next project is, yeah, uh, I definitely will. Yeah. Happy to do it. Um, just to quickly let everyone know, so we can either go to themasterspupil.com and then get the links, but otherwise Steam and Switch. That's the two yep. platforms that join at the moment. So Steam mm -hmm. PC and um, Mac. Thank you. Um, cool. And Nintendo Switch. And then you say next you're actually looking at Xbox, or you're looking at console as well. So you've got Xbox and, and PlayStation. Yeah, Xbox and PlayStation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hopefully, you know, soonish, really, not okay. even next year. So that'll be fun. Nice. Well, for everyone, please go and support Pat. Um, you know, indie game developers is what leads to awesome game developers. If you look at any of the games that we love and play, it actually started off normally with an independent person somewhere <laughs> with a passion. Um, I've now learned about Claude Monet through my journey uh, <laughs> with the master's pupil. So thanks so much, mate. Thanks for making the time to to come on the show. I really appreciate oh, it. Thank you're very you welcome. It's great to be here. Play the game. Um, it really was a super fun experience. I haven't finished yet. Um, and I don't like <laughs> to finish there. games when I review them or talk about them on the show because one, questions can be asked, but two, I also want to kind of like have something to go back to afterwards and, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, yeah I've been playing yeah. Limbo now for, I don't know, four years five years yeah. I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> and like, every time i get a moment or half an hour somewhere you know i'll quickly jump on and play and then half an hour becomes three hours or you know so yeah, yeah that's awesome um, yeah awesome it's a good game but um yeah so thank you um again the website themasterspupil.com go and have a look please do support them um we really do need indies to to make it otherwise we're never going to get 
well, not ever, but we're not going to get more great games. So until <laughs> next time, keep your screens clean and your knobs shiny. <laughs>